0: Our scripture text this evening comes from Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Listen for a word from God. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Croinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered, and Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy God, thank you for this Christmas story. I pray that as we hear it again tonight, you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to the message you have for us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, last year, at about this time, there was a huge blizzard that swept across the Northeast. And a friend of mine was pastoring at a church just outside of Buffalo, New York at the time, and this blizzard was so bad that the session members of this church got together and said, I think we need to cancel our Christmas Eve and Christmas services. They didn't want people on the roads. It was really treacherous and dangerous, and it was kind of a last-minute decision. And so one of the elders was in charge of getting the word out, and he started posting on social media and calling the local news sources and all of those things to let people know And somehow in his haste, he either made a typo or autocorrect did what autocorrect does. And instead of saying Presbyterians halt Christmas services, they put out into the world Presbyterians hate Christmas services. (laughs) And so this poor pastor had a bit of a PR nightmare and she had to reassure people. They love doing Christmas services. They just didn't want to put people in danger. This was not the first nor the last time that some version of Christmas has been canceled. In fact, in 1659, the Massachusetts Bay Colony canceled Christmas. They enacted a law called the Penalty for Keeping Christmas, and the Puritans had decided in this area that the festivities of Christmas were a little too festive and were an abomination to God. They couldn't find directive in scripture that said we should celebrate the birth of Christ, and so they said Christmas is canceled. In fact, anyone who was caught not working or enjoying a feast on Christmas was fined. Fast forward some time in Cuba in 1969, Castro outlawed Christmas in that land. He was afraid it would conflict with the sugar harvest, and also the nation was fully atheist, and it was official, and so he said Christmas was canceled. Even many of us a few years ago had some version of Christmas things being canceled as the COVID-19 pandemic had an upswing in 2020, right about this time of year, and many of our own family gatherings and church gatherings were changed or put online or canceled altogether. At Fort Street here, we did an online service that Christmas in 2020, and then a few of us gathered on Zoom to sing Silent Night with our own candles from home. Which, if you've ever tried to sing on Zoom, it's very awkward because the audio keeps transferring. So it was this beautifully awkward, lovely moment. And then, of course, many of us this year have seen headlines from Bethlehem of Christian leaders saying, festivities here are canceled As we stand in solidarity with Palestinians who are suffering so close to here, it's been a hard season, and in one way or another, Christmas has been canceled over and over and over again for centuries. And yet, somehow, it keeps coming. Christmas has been canceled for the past thousands of years because of snow, because of miscommunications, because of trouble, because of war, because of oppression, so many reasons. And as I look again at this story, I see how many of those layers existed even in the first Christmas. No one was really ready for it. Did you notice that in the story? are you ready for Christmas? Pastor Garrett asked you as you came in if you'd finished your shopping. And usually that's what we mean when we ask one another, are you ready for Christmas? In fact, the cashier asked me that at Target two days ago when I very clearly was not ready for Christmas because I had a cart full of gifts and wrapping paper. And when she asked, I sort of nodded at my cart and said, well, I'm trying to get there. But that's usually what we mean, right? Are you ready for Christmas? Are the cookies baked? Are your gifts wrapped? Is your tree up? But what does it mean to be ready on a deeper level? I think we're in good company when we say we're not really ready. The shepherds were working in the fields and were terrified when the angels came. They were surprised and not really ready for the message, but they were curious enough about it that they they let the message change their plans as they went into Bethlehem to see. Mary and Joseph certainly weren't ready for it either. They were traveling to go be counted for a census so that they could be taxed by the Roman Empire, and they were in a place where they couldn't find anywhere to be They certainly weren't in a nursery that was all set up with meals in the freezer and piles of washed newborn clothes ready to go. Christmas happened to them. There are so many political undertones to this story that I can't help but notice as I think about how not ready everyone was. They were living in a land where they were under empire and being forced to move into places where they didn't really want to be. And then even after the birth of Jesus, there was a threat and the king was afraid that his power was going away. And so the Holy Family ran into exile in Egypt as refugees to try to stay safe. No one was ready in the ways we might think. No one was prepared for Christmas, and it didn't come because it was such a silent and holy night. If there was ever a time to cancel Christmas, maybe that first year would have made sense, and yet it happened, and I wonder if that's the point. At Christmas, God has a way of interrupting us exactly where we are. How do you do with interruptions? How many of you love to be interrupted? Anyone? It's hard to be interrupted. I heard of this beautiful example of interruption that stems from a children's book. And it's a book called Yes Day. It was turned into a movie and sort of the notion of it swept the nation, so maybe you're familiar with it but the author i believe is amy rosenthal and she wrote this book called yes day where for 24 hours kids have all the power and their parents have to say yes to all requests ice cream for breakfast yes roller coasters yes unlimited movies and popcorn yes 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 so this idea turned into a movie, like I said, and then some parents tried it in real life and said, let's have a yes day, we'll sort of make it a holiday. And they let the kids call the shots, and the parents said yes to everything. Now, it's kind of a controversial decision. You can imagine it sort of going sideways and getting out of control, but I've heard parents talk about what happened when they did a yes day, and I've read all kinds of articles and blog posts about the experience, and some very interesting things came out of it. Parents were surprised by three major things. Number one, they were surprised that kids actually started to self-regulate. They didn't eat as many sweets or ask for as many toys as they would have imagined. They said, I think that will be enough. The second thing parents were surprised by was that kids often opted to eat at home. Instead of going to fancy restaurants, they often requested just comfortable stay-at-home signature dishes of the family. And the third and most touching thing that surprised most people that they noticed on yesterday was that instead of grand experiences, the kids asked most for playtime with the parents. You could do anything in the world. Do you want to go to Disneyland or go to a trampoline park? No, I'd like to play dinosaurs with you. There some incredibly touching stories, and parents said when they allowed their days to be interrupted to the whims of their children, they actually learned a lot. They learned how important their presence was. They learned how deep that connection with their children was. They allowed their own plans and their own worries to sort of be sidelined, and they let themselves be disrupted By children. I remember very clearly a time when someone let me interrupt her in a way that touched my life. I was in my early 20s living in Seattle and was going through a lot of really hard things all at once, and I knew I just wanted closeness with one of my pastor mentors. So I went to the church offices hoping I could catch her, but she was working in her office with her door closed. And her door was rarely closed, and so I knew it must mean that she was doing something really important, talking to a family or writing a sermon or something like that. And so I didn't want to knock, I didn't want to disrupt her, but she noticed me through the window and noticed I was looking upset. And I saw her close her computer and come out. She asked me what was wrong, she hugged me, I shared a little bit, said, I know you're busy, get back to your work. She said, no, this is the most important thing. She spent the next three hours with me. Interruption comes at us from all sides sometimes, and if we are open to it, we might see God working in a unique way. This Christmas story reminds us how often God works through interruption. And Christmas might be canceled for various reasons, but as one of the priests in Bethlehem says, it's the festivities that are canceled. Christmas itself will still go on. The Christ child will come, we will say the Mass, and Christmas will happen Sometimes I think it's right to cancel festivities. Sometimes I think maybe they do get in the way and distract us and we become so concerned about doing the right things and being in the right places that we forget the ultimate interruption of what Christmas actually is. If we're open to seeing those places where God works, we'll see many Christmases all around us. Maybe in the form of a bid For connection from a child, maybe in the form of joining a cause for peace, maybe in the form of a nudge about reaching out to a neighbor, to someone that looks a little bit lonely. Christmas is about waking ourselves up to the interruptions that God works in over and over and over. And the good news, the miracle of Christmas is not that everything is automatically better, but that we're not alone, and we are not alone with a God who says, I see you, I am here with you, and I will show you that the difficult is not the end of the story. Frederick Buechner talks about the scandal of God coming in such a humble way in a stable. And he says, if we can accept that God comes in this way, then there is no place that God's holiness cannot touch. We are not safe from God's holiness wherever we go. The miracle of Christmas is that the interruption comes to us, whether we're ready, whether Christmas is canceled, whether we're working, whether the presents are wrapped, no matter what, it is here and has arrived. Are you ready? Will you pray with me? Holy God, we ask your presence in our lives, the lives that often feel disrupted and chaotic and like we might be missing the point. God, interrupt us and reorient us to see your presence everywhere we go. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise now